This is an ABC podcast. For me, it was really challenging, you know, when people would frown, like give me that look of disappointment when I'm feeding my child with a bottle instead of breast milk. One tin was around 64 kina, which I don't know, roughly translates to about $30, $25, $27, something about that. Then we had to get four tins each fortnight because they went through it like just drank like nobody's business, like there was no tomorrow. In the uh, urban areas, it's just that uh, mothers have no choice because they have to go to work mm. and they can't leave the babies crying. So they have to, you know, swap for formula when they are away. But when they go back home, then they go back to do breastfeeding. Up until recently, breastfeeding rates have been higher in the Pacific than other parts of the world. For generations, we've sat cross-legged on the floor and fed our babies on demand. There have been mothers, grandmothers and aunties to help when feeding wasn't straightforward. And where I come from, if you couldn't feed your baby, there would be a sister who could do it for you. I know this is still the case in many parts of our region. But in recent years, our rates of breastfeeding have dropped. That has health experts in the Pacific worried because of the health benefits that come from this. So why are fewer Pacific women nursing their babies? I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about the barriers to breastfeeding in the Pacific. Everyone knows about the health benefits of breastfeeding. It gives your baby the nutrients they need for healthy development, and it's also linked to better health outcomes in later life. Despite that, in recent decades, there's been a drop in the number of nursing women across the world. In the Pacific, only about half of babies under six months are exclusively breastfed. And it's no surprise that with that, there's been an increase in formula sales. And this has organizations like WHO and UNICEF concerned. They have worked hard to raise these rates, and there have been some positive trends, but not enough to reach a global target of at least 70% by 2030. So what is the reason for this situation? Work, that's what, and more precisely, paid work. More and more of us are entering the paid workforce, and there just isn't the kind of support women need at our places of work for us to continue breastfeeding our children. Take Melinda Kahneman from Papua New Guinea. She was able to nurse her son and loved every minute. But like many women across the Pacific, she landed a new job that made her the breadwinner of her family. And she was unable to spend as much time with her two daughters. It's very challenging, not having enough time with them, um, especially when the working hours are a bit demanding. I was on a project and, you know, time is very crucial uh, because you have set time deadlines and outputs to meet. Mm. So working extra hours or or working, uh, you know, too early or coming home too late and just not having enough time uh, with the kids, especially when it came to breastfeeding my daughter's. It wasn't much of a problem in the mornings because I decided to change my working hours to start a little bit late in the morning and finish uh, later in the evening. 
But then because of that inconsistency, this didn't produce enough milk uh, after a week or so. And for my second daughter, um, she stopped breastfeeding at four weeks. For me, it was the first time to experience this. So the healthcare workers did advise me that it's because of the inconsistency, probably as well as everything else going on, that there was that that was the case with her. I did go through a lot of postnatal stress as well. And I guess it added to part of the factors why I stopped producing any breast milk. My second daughter was full-time on, on formula from four weeks on. It's uh, such a costly exercise too. Yeah, 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 um, true. The formulas range from like 65 kina to 70, 80, 90 kina, depending on which shop you go to. So in a month, we'd be spending between 400 to 600 kina just on formula. Uh, and that was a really big expense for us. Uh, yeah, especially with just myself uh, working. But we managed. Wow. And th- th- look, I'm really learning a lot from you. My babies and my feeding was just normal. So to hear that, you know, yours completely stopped this year, pretty anxious time for you. You know how in, in our culture up here in the Highlands as well, you know, there's so much expectations as well from from our mothers, our aunties, mm. you know, the family to make sure you give uh, the best care to your child. For me, it was really challenging when people would give me that look of disappointment when I'm feeding my child with a bottle instead of breast milk. Not um, a lot of us understand, you know, the different or various reasons why uh, working moms can't breastfeed. I mean, you were a breastfeeding mom and you're also the sole breadwinner. And yeah, look, I totally agree with you. Not many people will understand how hard it is. You know, some of us just don't have those choices. That's right. Well, with my with my second daughter, because I was just less than 12 months into the job when I had her, I wasn't entitled to maternity leave. I had like, uh, my annual leave plus a few days of or weeks of leave without pay to, to have her and then rest and recover and come back to work. With my third daughter, I had six weeks, which is the granted maternity leave period for, for us here in PNG. You, you, you need to give that time exclusively to breastfeeding and you have to maintain it at least for three months to just, you know, give enough to your baby. And I wasn't able to do that after six weeks, which which is really hard for me. There's a lot of laws or policies that have to be amended, but there definitely needs to be some consideration, you know, given to an extension of, of you know, maternity leave to enable moms to fully provide uh, for their baby and to bond with them and also to be able to exclusively breastfeed them at least for, for three months or four months. Thank you, Melinda Kahneman, for sharing your experience. It is just so difficult holding down a job while you're trying to be the best mom to your children. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. Genesis Kitan has had a very similar experience to Melinda's. She wanted to exclusively breastfeed her four children, including her twins. But her job with a news organization in Papua New Guinea made this very difficult. So she supplemented her baby's feed with formula. 
It is actually expensive, yes, uh, especially since we had the two at the same time. One tin was around 64 kina, which I don't know, roughly translates to about maybe $30, $25, $27, something about that. Then we had to get four tins each fortnight because they went through it like just drunk, like nobody's business, like there was no tomorrow. Um, the majority of our our peso went to um, the twins, the formula diapers or whatnot. Even though a workplace supported breastfeeding, Genesis faced barriers. It's easier if you have a vehicle so you can travel home to, you know, breastfeed during the lunch hour or pump, um, express pump out milk um, and fill up the bottles and whatnot. But uh, for myself, I didn't have a car at that time, so I couldn't go home and come back. So I tried as much as possible to wake up early in the morning, like um, around three o'clock and then pump what I could and then breastfeed the kids at around between four and six and then wash when they had their fill and they were down, and then I came to work after that. But the one thing I can say, though, is that um, my employer was understanding. They gave me about maybe six to, I think, six to eight weeks at home with the twins, yeah, because they were born premature. So they understood that, and they needed a lot of attention. And, of course, they needed breast, a lot of breast milk at the time because they were um, born at only about, 29 weeks, yep. Genesis' husband did what he could. He was on shift most times while I was on shift, so he couldn't actually bring the babies across. But, like, they would pick me up after work so that I had time with them in the car park before we went home. And um, he would, yeah, physically assist with that, I guess. That was the hands-on um, parenting that we had. So he had one twin, and I had one twin. And to this day, like, our attachment with those twins is quite strong. It is different with her daughter. So um, I guess a clear indication of that or a depiction of that would be the relationship I have with my daughter. So um, with her, uh, I didn't exclusively breastfeed and I had to exclusively bottle feed because I was I had to travel out when she was about two months. Um, I had to travel out for this job in Medang and I left her for about a week. And um, earlier on, I had to leave her quite early to come back to work because we had the national elections when she was born in 2017. And I had to quickly leave her and come back. I think she was three weeks when I left her and I came back to work that time because I had to be hands-on here um, with news coverage. So I have noticed that her relationship with her father and her babysitters, are she's closer to them than she is to me. Maybe that's just a daddy's girl thing, but she looks to them for her comfort or sympathy when, when she's upset. Her first option is to run to them because she's formed a stronger relationship with her babysitter and her father than um than we would have saved than I would have liked. Um with the twins and with my youngest son, um I was home with them for a bit and I did breastfeed and we, we formed that bond that comes from um breastfeeding your babies and you know the usual mother and baby bond that comes from that. So um I feel very close to them. I do feel close to my daughter, but like that's just a depiction of how it is now because I'm not sure but like that's just probably the how it had, had had to be at the time. Genesis would like to see some changes to better support moms to continue breastfeeding. The reaction is when you tell people that you bottle feed your baby, it's like, oh wow, like what's wrong with your what's wrong with your breast? Why can't you why can't you breastfeed them? But it's accepted that there are more of us in the working class who don't have an option but to 
not exclusively breastfeed anymore, but to do both bottle feed and breastfeed. Yeah. I do wish that there were more um, opportunities given, like, um, I don't know, a, a nursing station set up, if you like to say, like a nursing station inside a particular office or something, or a time set where we could have babies brought into the office so that we could just breastfeed. But, you know, it's, I guess, impractical in a lot of organizations. As more women enter the paid workforce, employers are going to be under increased pressure to provide support for breastfeeding mothers like Genesis Kitan. Changes are slowly happening. Two years ago, PNG became one of the last countries to introduce maternity leave. Okay, it is six weeks and unpaid. But there is more support for working mothers in the public sector. Dr. Mangu Kendino is an emergency physician in Port Moresby and is currently nursing her seven-month-old daughter. And she has had a very different experience to Melinda's and Genesis. The normal routine for us before I go to work is obviously to wake up in the morning. She probably wake, she wakes up after me. I feed her, breastfeed her, and then I run off to work. And it's a cycle throughout the day where I'm returning at 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, so you make several trips home to uh, breastfeed and then go back to work? Yeah, that was initially um, during the... Uh, so we have, like our government's good that we have a regulation that allows, um, and that's of, uh, as the general orders are stipulated for public servants, that the exclusive breastfeeding is recognized by law for up to six months. And therefore, in the public sector, you're given allowance to uh, for two hours of breastfeeding a day. So yes, that's able to be factored in by individuals who can actually maintain that. Yes, so it's only for those who can um, potentially accommodate for that during the work schedule. Yes, but it doesn't, of course, apply to everybody. So that was initially during the exclusive breastfeeding months up to six months. Now she, my baby is actually on... Um, has been weaned off and is on soft food. So the frequency to go home and feed is now reduced uh, just to that once or twice a day. And what sorts of challenges are you now seeing that mothers are facing that may prevent them from breastfeeding? One of the main challenges that would prevent women from breastfeeding is the inability to keep up with work requirements and to maintain or sustain a paying job just so that they can effectively breastfeed. As we talked about earlier, our government has regulations, but that only is applicable to public servants. Organizations actually have their own regulations for the amount of time women can be allowed to have exclusive breastfeeding access or even, sorry, particularly maternity leave. That's the period where women would be able to um, exclusively breastfeed their children. So depending on individual company regulations in the private sector, also in the public sector, <clears throat> that would be the determinant and the challenge to women um, to breastfeed. When a mother has difficulty in breastfeeding, after all, um, you're the first time mom and you're learning and you're also teaching your baby how to feed. What sort of support is there for young mothers? There is an organization that I'm aware of, a non-governmental organization, the Susumamas. They've been a pivotal 
partner to the pediatric division and to the obstetrics and gynecology division here at Pomgen, and I can speak for Pomgen only because I work here, where they assist new mothers, they assist, and not just new mothers, like breastfeeding difficulties can occur to any women across the parity ranges. They've been a good solace for us to turn to clinicians, also women as well, when there's any been any breastfeeding difficulties. Now, they had sent out a notice of the push to possibly close their doors down because they didn't have funding. And it's not only this particular organization, but there are other um, organizations that can assist also in this regard. Yeah, so we would like to see that these are supported because, you know, for first-time mothers particularly, it's a completely daunting experience, something they've never experienced before. Mm. We have mothers in the community and we have other women that you can reach out to, but some people may be feel secluded and they're doing this on their own. So we just need organizations out there that can be available so women know where to reach out for help. There are more women moving into the workforce and we have heard a number of them couldn't breastfeed for as long as they wanted because, you know, there's not a lot of support there. If you're in in this situation, what are some practical tips that you can offer? In an organization, if there are certain regulations, one of the few things I would um, suggest, and I saw a couple of women having to try to execute because they wanted more time for breastfeeding was to accumulate leaves that you are eligible for. If you haven't used up sick leaves, can accumulate them and accrue them for the use of extending maternity leave. Assuming things like leave without pay, yes, it may have an adverse effect on your family, but it's up to the family partner, um, husband and wife or spouse partner to decide how actually you can financially support yourself in order to accumulate these extra possible leave mandates that you have in the workforce to allow breastfeeding time. And because I'm in a place where that wasn't something I needed to worry about, because in the public service, you get uh, 18 weeks of um, paid maternity leave. And that's a big luxury. And I really appreciated that. And I was in awe of the women in private sector who wanted to actually do this. Because as we know, there are lots of advantages to breastfeeding. It's cheap, it's available, all the particular nutrients and constituents of breast milk that would be of an advantage to a developing child is really important. It is really great to hear Dr. Mangu Kendino and her colleagues have that flexibility to be able to continue breastfeeding. Imagine if every workplace was like that. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. For some women in the Pacific, the only way they're able to get the flexibility they need to continue breastfeeding is to go it alone and work for themselves. Florence Isianua from Solomon Islands did just that. When she had her first baby 12 years ago, she started her own baby clothing business to allow her to be with her son. And it worked for her as she raises three children, the youngest of whom is 11 months. 
I've got a choice, like I either concentrate on the business or the kids. But like, uh, take for example, like sometimes uh, when the baby is still on the breast, like breastfeeding and the shop needs to open early in the morning, like it has a certain time to open. And when the baby is still on the breast um, to prioritize my babies, I don't just wean them off from the breast because I don't want to see that. Um, I just let them to continue till um, they win off from the breast and give me the freedom to leave them and go go and open the shop. So let's see if it opens at eight o'clock. Sometimes I might go say eight thirty or even nine o'clock. I'm still prioritizing on the babies um, at home. <laughs> and uh, where you live, is it common for moms to breastfeed? It's common for moms to breastfeed, but uh, from what I see is like uh, the formula has uh, many mothers uh, swapping to formula given that they have they are working mothers and um, some are not working mothers, but they are also using the formula. But um, it's like there's a rising, uh, like rising on mothers swapping to formula, but like in the rural areas, most mothers are breastfeeding their babies, like they breastfeed till the kids, some kids are even like running around in the villages, but are still breastfeeding. (laughs) I know that. Um, What messages uh, were given to you from your family about breastfeeding and the importance of breastfeeding when you were pregnant? Actually, here we don't have like we don't have uh, more on the importance of breastfeeding. It's just like um, my own research, or you know, because uh, I'm trying to um, uh, promote, you know, uh, given that I'm doing the baby shop. So I want to see like what are the disadvantage of you know. Um, getting the kids, uh, the babies on the formula. So that's why I prioritize on breastfeeding. So when I got customers coming in, I still mentioned that this is, you know, this formula is not exactly like uh, the the milk from the from breastfeeding, but um, it is just like a substitute just to keep the baby. So we, we really promote the bottles that are, more like the breast so that the babies can go between the breast and the bottle when the mothers are working or are not available at home. Mm. And um, there are more women moving into the workforce from, you know, what you said. Um, How how accommodating are workplaces for breastfeeding mothers in Solomon Islands? Um, Here in the Solomons, no. They don't have a specific place that um, they have, like, uh, that you can breastfeed the babies, but they don't uh, put like there's uh, there's no stigma like you can you can breastfeed your baby anywhere if you want to. Like for me, for example, if I'm going to church, then I I can breastfeed my baby in church. Like if he's, if my baby's hungry, I can breastfeed my baby anywhere I want. But um, they don't have like a facility or a specific room that you go and breastfeed your baby. You just sit anywhere you're comfortable and you can breastfeed the baby if you want to. That's how it um, it works here. I have so much admiration for Florence Isianua. 
running a business in Solomon Islands so she can put her three children first. You've heard from these women who have juggled paid work with nursing their babies. If you are facing a similar situation, what are some tips that will help? This is what Melinda has to say. It does get stressful when you're trying to manage it on your own, but um, I guess one of the positive things about our community is that we're not on our own. We do have a wide support system that's there, whether it be your immediate family or your friends or, you know, your colleagues, people are there to, you know, support you. Um, And it's important to speak up about how you feel and uh, your experience because, you know, it's, um, it, it's only learning that will help improve um, the way you take care of yourself and the way you take care of, of your family. You want to, you know, make sure that you pass on any experience, any learning to, to moms, not just working moms, but all moms um, that we do have that uh, network of sisterhood and network of, you know, family and the community to support us um, as we raise our children. And Dr. Kendino. Work is also a necessity and it allows for everybody needs uh, an income to survive, especially those who are in urban settings. My main advice is that if you're not exclusively breastfeeding within the six-month period, don't feel that you are inferior in any way or are not able to meet these standards. It's something that's desired but not always achievable. So we must ensure that for infants or babies who we are going to give supplementary food to and feeding to formula, it must be of good standard, it must be prepared well, and in between in the periods where women are still able to breastfeed, please, by all means, continue. So complement the two feeding together and do not quickly wean off babies until after the six-month period when we are supposed to introduce um, solid foods. Yeah, That way, if we complement the meal well and if we are making sure that we do everything within restricted guidelines and keeping all the utensils and things safe, then the babies will not acquire any other infections that will debilitate them and make render them malnourished. Yeah. So it is still something that is achievable and we just have to make sure we do it well um, so that we can ensure that um, the babies grow up healthy and safe and develop well. Here is Genesis' top tip. More than half of the population is women and Kenji is made up of women so um, I do think that more support needs to be coming from the government in that area um, if they even even if they say something like um, say they pass a bill or something that says uh, an employer has to make time for this and it has to be paid time that um, we take to go in or even if it is our lunch break then an employer has to provide transportation to and from our homes for those who don't have vehicles so that we can go and um, actually spend that time and breastfeed our kids and come back to work because whether they realize it or not if our homes aren't settled and our minds aren't settled when it's time for work and we can't put that 110% effort in at work. If everything at home is fine, like if we know that our babies are fine and uh, uh, they're fully fed and they're satisfied and they're happy, then we're happy workers and we're able to be more productive at the end of the day. Breastfeeding rates have been higher in the Pacific than in 
more wealthy countries. And I think I can say that most of us want to be able to nurse our babies. There is no doubt that declining rates really are a concern, and there are organizations in every country doing what they can to support moms. What is really clear from talking to Melinda Genesis, Dr. Candino, and Florence is that there needs to be more support in the workplace, particularly the private sector. I would love to see paid maternity leave for at least six months and then flexible work hours for parents. And I say parents because a supportive husband or partner is vital to this equation. It is wonderful that every woman on today's program talks about not being shamed by whatever your circumstances are. You are doing the best you can. And don't forget that you can call on your sister for support. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, our weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, how is the conflict in West Papua impacting women? I'm afraid about the, the, the future generation of West Papua. We will extinct on our own land, and I don't want that to happen. As a woman, I have these feelings of protecting life, and I will, I will never stop fighting for that. And that's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Melissa Makin. Our supervising producer is Inka Stunsner. Executive producer is Justin Kelly. And our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol Nabungim you next time.